Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host Wayne, and with me as always is Garth. <laughs> Can't use my words today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can't do that. I did that. No. The many sh- sub the can't talk. They go back to, to Byron Brody. Why can't I get his damn name right? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> From a, I don't know, I'm not a film student. We the, say that a lot in this show. <laughs> I know, but I'm not because I don't know how to describe it. Anyway, guys, we'll see you next week. We'll talk. We'll, yeah. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Are we done now? Are we done? Hello guys, welcome back to another episode of Remarried, where we count down our most downloaded episodes and ask, do they still hold up? I'm your host, Ashley. I'm Travis. And I'm Aiden. Welcome back, Aiden. Thank Gone you. Gone all summer, about to be a junior in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I have only gotten older. <laughs> you don't look very enthused. Of course I'm not enthused. <laughs> But today we're going to be discussing, or re-discussing as it were, the film Deathgasm. Now we originally recorded this back in September 10th of 2021. So still, still one of our earlier episodes. Those seem to be, I don't understand how those are the most popular ones because we were green as fuck. Well, that, I think they have the most downloads because they've been up longer. That's possible. That's true. I We rewatched this again last night and... How are we feeling about it? I still feel really good about it. I, I've always liked it. Um, I didn't rewatch it with you guys, but yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I like the movie. It's a good movie. What about you? Uh, so I remember when we recorded that I said that I really enjoyed it the very first time I watched it, but that in subsequent watches, I didn't... It just wasn't hitting the same for me. And I guess not much has changed since that original record you still giggled when we rewatched it this well time. yeah he- here's the thing it's still i would still recommend this movie to anybody not only if you're a horror fan not only if you're a zombie fan but if you're a metal fan too you know i don't feel like you have to necessarily like horror movies to like this film does that make any sense yeah yeah but it would help it, it, it would yeah. help but it definitely wears its influences on its sleeve i think i said that last time you when i was rewatching and I definitely saw so much of Sam Raimi in there and Peter Jackson, you know, in in the vein of Evil Dead and Dead Alive, two of my, you know, we've already discussed this favorite favorite films and those influences are felt all over. So if if I were going to tell anybody what this movie is, I would say it's Lords of Chaos meets Evil Dead. Yeah, with pretty heavy dose of Dead Alive thrown in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's it's all over the place. I'm actually a little paranoid, like when we're recording this you know you what we do is we usually do our homework again you know kind of go through and see what other opinions of the film have been and not that long ago dead meat had their kill count of deathgasm taken down due to copyright issues i was like oh shit how many seconds of clips did we use in our episode i i, I don't remember honestly <laughs> <I'm> like <"Ugh." laughs> it makes me makes me a little fearful here that but, whole thing didn't make sense to me yeah well i don't know it could be there not always kind to movies and if this was not one that was well received right he was okay i i never saw it i I, I think that it got pulled down before i had a chance to see it but yeah i haven't heard him shit on too many movies it seems like 
sometimes uh, YouTube creators will put up a put up videos, and if what they say is favorable in the eyes of the Filmmakers. producer or the filmmaker or whatever, they leave it alone. If they didn't like it, then they throw a fit. You know what I mean? I think he it's gave like it a good review, though. They only want the positive opinions out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I didn't see it, so I don't. I don't know. It feels counterproductive to me if you're going to put a film out there. You want as many people to know about it as possible, for good or ill. You know, just to get get it out there. You would think that it would have only have helped in the release of the yeah. film. Yeah, there's part of that that I don't understand. Like if they're putting, if they're pirating the movie, right? Putting the whole thing up there. That's one thing. That's a completely different animal. But if you've got somebody doing a film review, whether it's positive or negative, especially on a channel like Dead Meat that gets such a huge number of views, it can only help your movie, right? Because right. people that have never seen it before, they're going to see the review, and there's a good chance they're going to decide, I'm going to go watch this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pay money, which the filmmakers will make money on. So I don't, right. I don't understand that. Yeah, even if he had given it a less favorable review, there could have still been that one person watching that that says, that movie looks fucking bonkers, I'm going to check it out. Right. So anyway, back off of me. <laughs> Why don't you why don't you talk about what you still like about it or maybe have changed your mind on? I haven't changed my mind on anything. I still like it. I like the metal. The practical effects are still good. I like the cinematography. We were watching one review and they were talking about all the different angles, like a Dutch angle and all the I have no idea what the fuck those are. It looks good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I like the quick cuts, which is a very Sam Raimi kind of evil dead thing to do. They had like a legitimate chainsaw scene where he looked at the chainsaw and, and that exactly made me think of chainsaw you know yeah and so one thing i noticed on the rewatch that i had not noticed previously was the part where he's chainsawing his aunt <laughs> like through the middle and of course his blood spraying in his face this is the first horror movie i've ever seen where somebody's getting blood sprayed in their face their mouth's open and they turn their head and spit it out in every other horror movie they don't do that they just stand there and scream and yeah. all the blood or gore or whatever it is it's hitting them in the face and it's just in their mouth but brody actually turns his like Puh! and yeah. keeps going Speaking of Brody, there's another Brody here recently that we talked about ingesting a lot of blood, and that would be Jaws, where he literally did that. He was having all that water quince blood in his mouth and he wasn't spitting that out yeah yeah and i i don't know i just thought it was i'd never seen that before that it was neat to see someone finally actively like respond to the blood rather than just like drinking it down like some sort of unholy kool-aid someone yeah a a character in a movie to acknowledge i need to spit this out right (laughs) blood is gross you know what's even more it's just not a thing that happens in movies typically you know what's even more unrealistic than those reactions the dumb kid in those like old sitcoms that see the giant table of breakfast and then grab a piece of toast and leave like I'm missing I'm missing school for that if you ever made that kind of breakfast like I'm staying there for that what are you trying to say what what are you trying to say no I'm just saying like <laughs> the, um, the media is especially for stuff like this is filled with stuff like that where it's just a completely unreasonable reaction that you like see often like with the whole not acknowledging that they need to brush their teeth or not spitting out the gallon of blood in their mouth right yeah I don't know, man. I guess I'm just a big fan of breakfast. (laughs) Start calling you Walt Jr. (laughs) Raisin Bran Crunch, Mom. It's one word. It's not that hard. Man, he he went there over cereal, too. That's terrible. He did. Like, why are you being such a little asshole over cereal? Just be glad it's not Pop-Tarts. Fuck you and eat your cereal. (laughs) But we're not here to talk breakfast right now, Aiden. So get your mind off. A breakfast. Okay, to be fair, um, I th- I had a very small breakfast, <laughs> so I will admit I am a bit angry about that. But uh, 
Is it my turn to yeah. give an opinion? Yeah. What do you think about the movie? Um, what worked for you? Let's let's start there. The com- or the comedy in the movie is crass and amazing, and I love it. And the violence is almost a doom level, which I also appreciate. But um, also as a well resident metalhead, I also really appreciate the music in the movie. But that's just like something that hasn't changed. So I still have a very favorable opinion of this movie, just because all of those things really work for me. I don't have any like big problems with it or complaints or anything. I just really enjoyed it, which I guess is kind of a bland answer to give, but it's the truth. Yeah. I I will say there was one thing that I didn't, I hadn't noticed it. Uh, The fact that Trivium is in almost every shot. Right. (laughs) They really plug Trivium. I I mean, it's like, it's like one of those where in every scene you get a Pizza Hut box or a Pepsi, something like that. And I'm automatically thinking of Wayne's World. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was like Wayne's World, but with Trivium in the background you like trivium though don't you i do that's what i'm saying i don't necessarily have a problem with it it's on their patches it's a sticker on the car it's a poster on the wall it's like t-shirts t-shirts yeah when they were when they were standing in the uh the music store like the very first album he picked up was trivium so yeah i just i didn't notice until i I did end up picking up one song from this film like i I think i remember watching it the very first time thinking oh the song is really cool and so i ended up downloading it and that's a song called uh introspection by the band Eson. It's a pretty crucial scene in the movie of when Brody gets his ass basically tore the hell up by his cousin and they play that song and I was like that sounds pretty cool so I ended up downloading it and I still really enjoy that song. I still really enjoy the shit out of the black hymn. Like I always feel like if you were going to summon demons <laughs> that would be what you would use to do it. Yeah. Okay, so we just had to pause for some station identification. (laughs) I want to apologize for the dog. He saw some very, very threatening grass out there. And he was telling it where to go and what to do when it got there. I feel like you should thank him for his service. Who knows, that grass might have been planning to ambush us the next time we went outside. It could be. Oh my god. He barks at everything. (laughs) He does. He's jumpy. He's an eight pound Yorkie who thinks that he's an 80 pound bigger dog. Ah, yes. I can't think of a cane corso or something. (laughs) Yeah, he, he thinks he's big. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I I guess um, like I I still have an appreciation for the things that work. Like this was probably the goriest, like I said in the vein of old school B movie monster movies that we had gotten in a while at that point. I would say here recently the sadness went back at that level, but at this point this was I felt like some much needed splatter that we hadn't gotten in quite a long time with all the PG-13 safe horror movies that we've gotten this this felt like it and yeah because of that it is metal as metal as you can get well we had been watching several horror movies and it seemed like unless you went back to one of the old ones you know a friday the 13th or hellraiser or something like that you're gonna get cg blood now yep and right this one was the first one new movie the first new movie we'd seen in quite a while that actually utilized practical effects now having said that if i was gonna throw a rock at this movie i would throw it straight at the demon at the end <laughs> the big bad because they used a foam rubber mask from I don't know a Power Rangers villain and just stuck it on a person. I don't I don't know why they did that. Like they did a good job with the practical stuff all the way up to that point, and then they stole Tim Curry's hat from 
legend and stuck it on a guy his and hat. Said, go out there. He yeah. wore a hat? Well, it's just a horn thing, you know, the horns. <laughs> no. It's basically it. It's like, we're going to attach a new rubber mask to it and put this on. Now go out there. You're the monster. It was it was underwhelming. For what you'd received up to that point, you, I really expected something big. Like, look, and, it's still a really well-made mask. Mm-hmm. If that's something, you know, that somebody made or whatever, I would think that was completely badass. But it's just... Like you said, for what we had been treated to up to that point, it it felt like a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, because it really was... It was just Zach wearing a mask with some gloves on. I feel like I can't really complain about it, though, because, I mean, honestly, not everyone has the budget for Tom Savini. So I'm surprised they did as good as they did with the practical effects, even if they did fall short on the final monster. Well, my point is, is if they did that well with the practical effects up to that point, I mean, did they just show up on the last day and go, nah, screw it, we're done, I'm tired. If I had to guess, I would think it's probably more than likely a budgetary issue. Well, because they did probably have to buy 12,000 gallons of fake blood for this. Yeah. Or, you know, make it. <laughs> yeah, or make it. <laughs> Which would probably be cheaper. Because they went all in on the fake blood budget. Mm-hmm. But I also, like, also one of the things I love about it is that I feel like it's not only a love letter to horror movies of yore, but it also feels like a love letter to metalheads in general. Because one of my favorite scenes in the film is him explaining why metal in particular means so much to him. And I don't feel like a better description has ever been given in anything else no and i'm pretty sure we we talked about that in the original mm-hmm. actually i think i cut that in in the original his little monologue about what metal is and yeah probably the best description i've heard yeah i mean because aiden you, you sitting here you can probably tell us the same thing of what it means to you and it was basically when things are shitty and you feel like you're alone you have something that can get out your rage and your anger and it it's a it's a comfort I mean, I am a lover of all music. <laughs> my music catalog would probably make people laugh because I have tons and tons of metal on my phone, but then I also have Wham, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. But do you, do you care to, to go into that a little bit? Yeah, it's it's definitely nice as an outlet because I will admit that um, listening to metal is probably the only thing that's kept me from beating up Charles Entertainment Cheese. Yes, that what is his full name. Fuck? Chuck E. Cheese, the mascot. His full name is Charles Entertainment Cheese. He's a disgusting, <laughs> gross rat, and I want to beat the ever-living stuffing out of him. I'm just laughing but, because Kent told me like two days ago that his that the E stood for entertainment. It's just funny that I'm having this conversation again. Yeah. And and Chuck is a nickname. Um, okay, but, but seriously, in terms of being a teenage boy in high school, um, yeah, it's it's definitely not a nice outlet for lots of energy. I will admit that my music catalog is just as varied as yours. Yeah. Because on one end, we have like Slayer and Lamb of God. And then on the other end, I have people like um, Jack Stauber. Um, He makes things called, or he makes a brand of music called Micropop. If that says anything to you. And you also have Elvis. Yes, I also have Elvis. So um, don't you have a pretty good collection of sea shanties as well? (laughs) Yes. Um, including metal sea shanties. So, uh, yeah. Why is that a thing? Because sometimes you both want to be a pirate and commit murder in the same afternoon. Do you not, like, it's a pretty simple like if, pirate metal. If you're going, yes. yeah, if you're going to kill, why not sing a sea shanty as you're beating the brakes off of somebody? Okay. Well, I will tell you that my musical catalog is not nearly as varied. No, not in the least. So, but, I, you know, I'm all for music as an emotional outlet. Because I'll tell you that at work, like, if I've got my, my earbuds in and angst oh my comes on. Oh, new, okay. Uh, I thought you were about to plug dope. I was like, please don't. It's coming. Just wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
and angst comes on. It's like, I don't know what he's saying, but he sounds pissed. I'm kind of pissed off too. <laughs> he, he's referring to Rammstein guys. He just gave you the title of the song, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, uh, Die Motherfucker Die by Dope. I also knew good. that was coming. When you're down stacking <laughs> kegs in a parking lot and it's 110 degrees outside, you'd like that song too. <laughs> But, um, but no, cause like, and I have the same thing where like, if I'm playing any sort of game where it's just like any type of war based game, like Battlefield or Call of Duty, I'll just turn on Sabaton just because like half of their catalog at least is just about war. And it's pretty great in my opinion. So like, yeah, it's great for motivation. Well, as far as I've experienced, great for really getting in the zone with a lot of stuff. Um, I know you do that, right, mom, with your work where you listen to music or watch something to help you focus oh yeah absolutely recently i was doing my um my finals for school and i've been told you know the tried and true method of you should study listening to music because it helps you retain the knowledge better and then if you play that music later then it's like the information comes back like you can recall it or something i i don't know how true it is but i i definitely listened to a lot of music while i was trying to study and okay let's whatnot. be let's be a little more specific shall we you listen to music from Bloodsport, and you listen to basically the Rocky Four soundtrack. No, I listened to that on the way to finals to get myself pumped up. During actual study time, there was a shit ton of Rammstein. <laughs> no, on the no, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not you. You know, you're trying to throw me under the bus here, but no, I'm not gonna lie. I definitely listened to the Rocky Four and Bloodsport soundtracks on the way to finals to get hyped up, pumped up because I was terrified. You know, there's you know, you guys have heard a little bit about what our family has gone through in the last year. There's there's some pressure that comes with that a little bit and going, okay, if I don't pass my finals, basically my my family's success from here on out hinges on whether I pass these finals or not. And it's a lot. So yeah, I was listening to some pretty questionable stuff to keep my morale up. So, so. How, how fast were you driving when Hearts on Fire came on? Well, in that particular stretch of road, I'm only allowed to drive 60 miles an hour. <laughs> Okay, sorry for the tangent, but let me get this straight. When you were doing the most mundane part of your learning, you listened to metal. But when you were doing the part where you legitimately needed that, like, what's the word? That motivation. energy, motivation, yeah. You listened to Hearts on Fire and Fight to Survive. I really did. <laughs> I'm sorry, that just, like, seems you know backwards what? in my brain. You know what? How many times have you sat in the car and sang those songs with me when they come on? Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I have. I will admit to it. Okay, then. Okay. But, you know, us all, everybody listening and um, any younger listeners we have, which I doubt, but um, we we definitely all know what that's like to be going through the teen depression and the pressures associated with that. Can't get a date. Nobody likes you. You're failing every class. And having, now, now Travis and I, we were kind of older teenagers slash young adults during the new metal phase. So unfortunately, you had a lot of duds, but, you know, we also had things like Rage Against the Machine that, you know, that were just so fucking angry and you felt like somebody, somebody got us finally. You know what I mean? I mean, like yeah. I, I've talked about being a Manson fan on here before, which is unfortunate, but that was a lot of my outlet as a teenager was just that whole, oh, woe is me. Life is never going to get any harder than it is right now at 16. Yeah. God almighty, at least yeah, I wasn't I, paying fucking bills. I listened to a lot of Rage Against the Machine when I, when I was a teenager. Oh, I 
remember. Because <laughs> Zach was so pissed. Like, he was just mad. I saw I saw an interesting comment. I think it was on Twitter the other day. Somebody commented, when did Rage Against the Machine go all political and shit? <laughs> um, like, when did you start listening to Rage Against the Machine? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, they've pretty much always been that way. Pick a song, any song. It's literally got yeah. some topic. Like, I, I don't know. That just, that, that whole, that comment just struck me. Yeah. Really odd. Yeah. Like, when did it happen? Uh, about the same day they became a band. That's Pretty when much. it started. Yeah. But no, I just, that, that was one thing that I really enjoyed was just what it had to say about what it feels like to be a teenager. It, it, if nothing else, you know, apart from the obvious subject matter, it is a coming of age story. You find, I, I you know, I went through the same thing of where you kind of go through all these really shitty friends, but then you find that one friend that just gets you better than anybody else. So the one friend that got Brody is the one that went and shagged the girl that he was yes. in love with? Yes. I have complicated feelings about the character of Zach. So not only did I get that whole vibe of you find that one really cool friend, like for me in this case, it was Mary, my best friend of over 20 years. So I got that from it. And right away, I was like, I remember this feeling of you have the friend that is maybe a little bit dangerous and does, you know, you're the good girl. You don't necessarily do the things that they do, uh, which Mary, I love you. You're just a big softy now. <laughs> I know that. But at the time, it was just that whole forbidden fruit thing of we're going to do something dangerous or as they say in the film want to do something really badass <laughs> you know that's what it felt like and Zach was just he was kind of a badass you know he he's the guy who when everything looks like it's at, at its worst he's the guy that shows up in the corpse paint and saves the day you know what I mean so I do hate the fact that he did shit on Brody the way that he did by constantly trying to basically alienate him from potential love interest and from potential new friends in order to kind of keep him to himself a little bit. Well, I would imagine that to a point, Zach probably didn't have any friends either. I mean, you never see anyone else that he knows other than Brody. Mm -hmm. So, you know, okay, maybe he was doing that in a desperate attempt to keep the one friend that he had. Maybe. He was still a dick. Yes. I'm just saying he's got a little bit more depth to his character, as does Brody, than most of the other characters in the film. A lot of other characters felt a little one-dimensional. Yeah, the other characters are just surface. That's, yeah. That's all they are. I, I think I said in the episode that they were stereotypical. Yeah, they're they're just there to be funny. Right. But there's not really anything else to them. This is one of my few complaints about the film, is they definitely go off on this teen melodrama business throughout. So this movie, I guess as a recap, it, it does go after the low-hanging fruit in terms of comedy, which I do appreciate. I don't like have to, you know, reach up too much to get the fruit. I don't like ground fruit, because nobody <laughs> wants to have to bend down to pick it up. So, I mean, ideally, if it's, like, shoulder level <laughs> that's that's where you want your fruit to be you I, can I, just, it's right there i would say that some of the uh, low-hanging fruit in this movie is like almost quite literally at waist level yeah you'd have to kind of stoop a little bit but it's it's that it's lowbrow that yeah. it, there's no i don't know what i don't know what you'd call it it's not sophisticated humor um although i will say that the the new zealander delivery is uh, almost British in some I was gonna ways. Say, it's very, they have a very dry yeah. delivery. Um, mm -hmm. But it's that. The story is pretty simplistic. It really is, at its core, a teen drama. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I can't argue against that too much. So, teen drama with some demons thrown in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer if it was just dudes instead of Buffy. Okay. What? Uh, I, I can't mean, fault them there. <laughs> 
seems a little, I mean, and you're talking to somebody who loves Buffy, but it's a little harsh. I would say it's a little bit darker. Well, no, it is that. darker and it has more gore, but it's also not on the WB. So it couldn't have. Right. Buffy couldn't have had all that stuff. But, you know, I mean, it's it's a formula that we've seen before. It's not a new idea necessarily. Struggling so, teenager becomes, I, a, well, demon slayer. Yeah, but I still really enjoy this movie. So, but I, I guess my thing is, is that as much as some of the humor didn't land for me the second, third, fourth times around, it's still like, where the hell am I going to get a movie where people use dildos and anal beads as weapons? That's just not something that you see very often. That's not something you see ever. <laughs> so. That was the first time I'd ever seen that weaponized. And is at this point that I believe I do want to leave the room. <laughs> I take that back. Um, what video game was that? Oh, oh Saints, my God. There was one of the Saints Rows where you could oh, use a, how old a were sex you? toy as I a, have no idea. Yeah, that weapon. was um, aptly called the Penetrator, and it was a rubber dildo bat that you could just beat people to death with in <laughs> Saints Row okay, 3? It had to be It had to be a free game because... It, yeah, it was. It was. Because it's not something we would have ever bought if we yeah. knew the content of it. I just remember you had to have been like four five years old maybe and maybe older than that because i think london was already you are outing both of us right now (laughs) you had london was already old enough that she came and she told me first but she was a little bitty you were both little little bitty kids and i was doing something or other and london came in and says mommy aiden's using a weenie sword and i was like what the fuck so i go in to find out what's going on and you're just there killing people with this thing waving around and i'm like jesus christ Aiden, oh my god, turn it off, turn it off. And you were like, but it's my weenie sword, Mom. Jesus Christ. So I had no idea what Saints Row was. I didn't either. I had never played any of them before. I didn't know what their content was. You're talking to somebody that still only plays Mario, so... And not very well, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Play better Um, than you. Yeah, had no idea. So that game immediately had to become off limits. Yeah, which to their credit, none of this was their fault. It was still the point in time where Xbox did not care what they put up for free. And so normally at least once every month you ended up with a mature game that was just up for no cash at all because you bought their subscription service. So that that, that wasn't like a thing they could control. It was just a thing <laughs> I found. And I went, oh, that looks fun. It's got guns. And uh, well, here we are. I now have both Saints Row 2 and 4 currently downloaded because they're fun. Well, now that we're both terrible parents. <laughs> We've, I think we established that episodes ago. So yeah, I like to traumatize Aiden by making him watch Day of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, we've been there. <laughs> but no, uh, to wrap this up, it, it's still a, it's still an absolute watch for me. If you, I don't think it's free anymore. Unfortunately, it was on Shutter for the longest time. Joe Bob had it featured in the last drive-in, but it has since. Now you have to rent it. But I would, I would say it's worth the money if you've never seen it before. If I would say that if you are not of light heart or light temperament, this is an absolute banger of a movie. So you should absolutely go watch it. Yeah. And I, what is it like? You can rent it for two ninety nine on Voodoo mm-hmm. or yeah. something like that. So not a huge investment on your part. Uh, yeah. I still I still say watch it even, it's even just, since we did that. Yeah. It's just a fun movie. It's an absolute fun movie. It's just it's just a good, feels like a good throwback splatter fest. It is the awesome low hanging shoulder level fruit that you don't have to strain <laughs> too hard to get. With that being said guys enjoy this flashback episode of deathgasm later bye see ya warning 
The following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another exciting episode of Dead and Married. This is Travis. Hey, what's up? I'm Ashley. And this week we're going to be covering the 2015 metal horror film, Deathgasm. <laughs> is that even a subgenre? It is now. <laughs> so this has an IMDb rating of 6.3 out of 10, which is probably on the higher end of the movies that we've covered so far. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Really. Wow. They know a good movie when they see it. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. And 65% on Metacritic. It was written and directed by Jason Lee Howden. It, some of you may know him. He did Guns Akimbo. Uh, he did visual Love effects. Love that movie. It's a good one. He did the visual effects, or helped with the visual effects, on Lord of the Rings, Avengers, the new Shang-Chi movie that's coming out this year. Wow. Uh, he worked on The Hobbit. He did Man of Steel and Prometheus. Now, obviously, he didn't do those all by himself. Right. Right, but he worked on the visual effects for those movies, so uh, that explains some of the stuff that you see in this film. Yeah. So the primary cast in this movie, because there's several characters, but I'm not going to go through all of them, just really your top five. Uh, is Milo Cawthorn, he plays Brody, mm-hmm. our main protagonist, mm-hmm. and if... You watched Power Rangers RPM. He was the green one. Well, if you watched it in New Zealand, anyway. <laughs> I don't. Did they have Power Rangers RPM in the states? From what I, all I, the actors in that show. I was show a teenager from... when Power Rangers came along, so I didn't give a shit. <laughs> okay, yeah, they. I assume they had that all over the world, and since more than one actors from New Zealand, I'm assuming that's the version they had in New Zealand. Yeah, nearly all of them are from New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, but he was also in Blood Punch, which came out in 2013. We've never seen that one. No. And then you've got James Joshua Blake. He plays Zach, uh-huh. who is at the same time a protagonist and an antagonist, sort of, in this <laughs> in this movie. And fun fact, he was Thorin's body double in The Hobbit. That's crazy. He doesn't even look like the guy who plays Thorin. Not even close. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> you've got Kimberly Crossman, who plays Medina. Sam Berkeley plays Dion, and Daniel Cresswell plays Giles. Now, like I said, there's several other characters in this movie, but some of them, they don't get a lot of screen time, so we may introduce those as we go along. Maybe. One thing that they all have in common, several of these cast members and the supporting crew and all that were involved in Spartacus, Power Rangers, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, and Guns Akimbo. Wow. Lots of Power Rangers running around in here. (laughs) <laughs> Lots of Lord of the Rings people running around. Lots of orcs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, actually, one of them he was. He was an orc in three different movies, or a goblin. Oh. Maybe he was a goblin. In three was that the movies. guy that played Zach? It gave no. 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 It was. It. It gave the name. Uh huh. But I don't assign names to goblins or orcs in Lord of the Rings. Right. <laughs> So I'm assuming since it had a name, it was a speaking part, but I didn't care enough to look, I'll be honest. Yeah. So even with names you've never really heard of before, they've all been in films that you've probably seen. Right. Kind of impressive. And this is our second film to cover from New Zealand. It is. Yeah, because we did Dead Alive for what, our it second is. And show? And you know what? They've both been horror comedies. Yeah. This is a metal horror comedy. <laughs> well, if there's, if running over a horde of zombies with a lawnmower isn't metal, I don't know what is. <laughs> I think you would have to go back and look at what music was playing in the background. I'm pretty (laughs) sure it wasn't metal. So I'm ready to get into it. Before we go any further, we should probably give the spoiler warning. So let's get that out of the way. All right. All right. So we open with uh, narration from Brody, our main character. And he's talking about, you know, that metal music that your parents never wanted you listening to, which... (laughs) 
Yeah. We're I'm, we're self-proclaimed I'm, metalheads in this I am house. Familiar like with the metal that your parents didn't want you listening to. Down to down to our seven year old. <laughs> My parents thought Metallica and Alice in Chains was straight up devil music. Well, before he turned into a trash human being, there were uh, Marilyn Manson posters all over my bedroom, so I don't know that he qualifies as metal. Uh, depends on who you talk to, I guess. Yeah, no. I vote no. Okay. Anyway. It doesn't matter. He's canceled anyway, so. He's canceled. So, and, and Brody basically is saying, you know, that metal music that your parents didn't want you listening to. Um, and it talks about demons ripping your new asshole and all this other stuff. It's real. I know. I was there. I was there. And then he, he takes dun, us back. Don't, don't, yeah. <laughs> he takes us back to where it all started. And basically, it all starts in the town of Grey Point. Mm-hmm. It says it starts in Grey Point, but then he moves there. But he moves there because apparently his mother went on a meth <laughs> bender and tried to suck off a Santa Claus in a crowded mall. That's the way to start a movie, am I right? <laughs> well, thankfully it doesn't show it. It does show her mugshot, though. Right. It's an interesting mugshot. Like, she rivals, what, Nick Nolte in that mugshot? Um, I, I guess that's putting it delicately. Yeah. So anyway, she gets committed to a, a, a he says, a mental ward. And he gets sent to live with his aunt and uncle in Grey Point. Middle of ass fuck nowhere. That's what he says. It's the middle <laughs> of ass fuck nowhere in that they are both balls deep in Jesus. <laughs> Their words, not mine. <laughs> but you can tell when he rolls up that they're, they're a very uptight family. Right. And that they're not, you can tell by the way, I'm going to say this and I'm going to get shamed for it, I'm sure. You can tell by the way they look, they're not necessarily going to agree with what he likes. It's very clear that they're from two different worlds. Well, they're very clean cut and wholesome looking and he's like falling out of this cab with all of his uh, metal memorabilia. and With his posters and an amp. Yeah. And he's wearing a a metal band shirt from some band I've never even heard of. (laughs) Yeah. Was it Trivium? I feel like he wears a Trivium shirt for most of the movie. No, but Trivium does come up later. (laughs) But it's not a Trivium shirt. I would know those. (laughs) So we skipped... One important part here, and that's the opening credits. So the opening credits oh, God. are like Beavis and Butthead and Metalocalypse had an animated baby. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really like those. And, I, I, I really do like those. And there's a little bit of that yeah. in the closing credits, too. And I think they did a really good job with yeah. that. But anyway, so he gets moved in, and we are just we go the next day at school. right? Uh-huh. His first day at a new school. And what does he see when he first walks up there, other than a bunch of kids, is his cousin, David, who's oh, an asshole. Yes. Um, he is your movie stereotype jock dick. That That's one of my... And I don't have a lot of complaints about this movie because it obviously is very good. But one of the complaints I have is the the stereotypical characters, the tropes, and he that character in particular I just felt was so over the top. I mean, I know that bullying exists and it's real, but this just felt so like, I don't know. I have a lot of cousins. I mean, I'm Hispanic, so I have a lot of cousins <laughs> and none of us ever treated each other, even with our differences in that kind of manner. I mean, that was just really disturbing to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. My, my extended family, we're not close, but we never did that. But anyway, so he, he sees his cousin David stuffing he calls it a, a, a dice right but then he's, uh-huh. he's corrected after the fact that it's dion right little skinny kind of blonde headed glasses wearing kid uh-huh. and he informs him that it was a d10 <laughs> it was a, a d10 dungeon dragons die uh, that he was attempting to shove up dion's nose yeah so that tells you what kind of guy david is right cousin david's a douchebag so he kind of says hey what are you doing that's not cool so he stops and i think he gives him a little threat uh but then he as, as david's walking off he sees medina <laughs> Now, you just talked about the, the different tropes and the, 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 
not typecasting. What am I thinking? Stereotypes. Stereotypes. Yeah. She is, but for only half the movie. Yeah, I mean, so there anyway. are there are a lot of themes in this movie that have been explored ad nauseum. I mean, that's not to say that they're not funny and have their merit. But yeah, it's the typical trope of liking or wanting somebody that's the complete opposite of you and they're out of your league and yeah. that kind of thing. And Medina is the, I guess, your stereotypical blonde hair, blue eyed cheerleader. cheerleader She's the hot yeah. chick in school. Yeah. Right. And Dion notices him looking and he says, there's no way you're going to hit that. Yeah. She dates <laughs> apes like your cousin. Yeah. You want to do something completely badass. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like he just transitions from you're not going to get any to you want to do something badass. Yeah. Can't talk. <laughs> so we're going to we're going to jump to the thing that's badass. Can't wait. <laughs> And they're sitting in, was it the AV room? Or cafeteria? Sort of unidentifiable or room. I don't yeah. think it was cafeteria because they were the only ones in there. And if you're going to do this, you, you probably should go somewhere where nobody's going to see you do it. <laughs> but. <laughs> Not in this house. <laughs> So you, you get Brody and Dion and our, our last sort of the primary characters, Giles, uh-huh. sitting around a table playing D&D. <laughs> Which, if you talk to our son, it is completely badass. So Yes, he thinks <laughs> D&D should be a sport. Well, to be fair, we have also gotten swept up in this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. It's what you it's what you have to do in the middle of a pandemic, okay? You got nothing else to do, so right. you take up D and D. Yeah. So Giles and Dion are arguing over I don't know what it was. It's like Giles cast a fireball at a fire troll and he got pissed <laughs> off because it didn't do any damage. They lost me on that point. But you get to meet Giles. Giles apparently was suspended once for violating the CPR training dummy. <laughs> now Brody Brody's checked out. So he's I think he's got his headphones on and he's he's tuned out. He's imagining himself in uh. a, a fur loincloth <laughs> standing on top of a mountain holding up a guitar. Uh, yeah. It's like the, the most metal, bees or metal something. album cover whatever. You know, like yeah. he's all He-Man with his guitar on top of the mountain. Yeah, it's like and, a Dio record. <laughs> and Medina. Yeah. And Medina's like wrapped around his leg at the bottom. It's kind of like the Star Wars cover, right? Yeah. The, for, yeah. The first uh, Star Wars. No, not. Yeah, is Yeah, because it? it showed Luke standing there with the lightsaber yeah. on his head and Leia was wrapped hanging onto his, his leg. leg. Yeah. Which is really weird when you consider that, that was his sister. <laughs> right. Like she's really close to his dick for that to be his sister. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. And they were supposed to have all six of these planned out, right? <laughs> of course they did. Anyway. So yeah, and of course he's he's cool. So he like looks down, sees Medina's wearing a top, and he like wags his eyebrows and makes her topless. So this is metal. Mm-hmm. You get some half naked chick hanging onto some dude's leg. He's on a mountain with a guitar, metal in the background, and then they're like, "Well, what about you?" And it snaps him out of it because he wasn't paying attention at all. Right. He was he was daydreaming. Well, to be fair, I've kind of lulled off during some of our longer sessions myself. Yeah, I just let Aiden talk and nod in the right places. <laughs> think they're the right places. I just roll when I'm supposed to roll and make up something. I wait for him to say, Dad, are you going to roll? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What am I rolling? <laughs> That's terrible. Anyway, so their D&D campaign is interrupted when Dick Cousin David and a friend of his. There's a couple come, of them. There's just one guy. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, it was just the two of them. It's his his best bosom buddy. Yeah. His balky. <laughs> Come running in and they're like spraying him down with water guns, right? Like a big uh-huh. super soaker kind. And they run off and Giles is like, it's piss. I love the way he says that too. It's like, it's piss. It's piss. Again? <laughs> so this is not Again. the first time that David has hosed those guys down with urine <laughs> in a water gun. That's disgusting. I'm sorry. I don't care how either thin or how chunk or whatever I am. Somebody shoots piss at me. I don't care who they are. Like I'm beating the brakes off of somebody. Like I don't even care. 
Yeah, so definitely, you get hosed down with piss, somebody's going to get a whooping. Oh, yeah, for sure. But we move from there to math class. Guessing it's math class. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really paying attention to what the teacher was writing on the board, much like my original math class that I took in high school. Wasn't really paying attention to all that. But Brody, again, not paying attention to what's going on around him. Mm -hmm. He's doodling. Let me tell you, he's a talented artist. And I'm not the only one that noticed that. The teacher noticed that, that he was doodling in math class. And while he's drawing his Mona Lisa of two demons sticking a hot poker up his math teacher's ass, um, he gets caught. Teacher's like watching him over the shoulder, compliments him even on the shading on the devil penises. And then without skip to beat, he says, detention, and just wads it up and walks off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely got some uh, super bad vibes off of that. A little bit, for sure. There's way too much peen in this movie. <laughs> Fortunately, it's animated peen, not real. So, yay. <laughs> so then, school is mercifully short. There's been, t- there's been movies where they hang out too long at school. This uh-huh. is not one of them. It's like, he went to school, he saved Dion, he played some D&D, he got pissed on, he went to math class, and it's over. So from there, it's Medina. Medina comes out of the school and jumps in the car with David. And David's like, hey, gives her the eyebrows. He's a real Casanova, you want to go hang out? Which means, you want to go bang? <laughs> and she's like, you know, talking about bullying is not really a turn on. And that was something that I immediately appreciated about her character because I feel like in so many movies, you know, maybe the girl doesn't like what the dick is doing, but she never says anything. So when she spoke up and was like, yeah, that's not attractive. I was like, finally, finally somebody tells somebody something. And for half a minute, the guy's like, what? <laughs> he didn't know how to react to that. Yeah. He, he didn't know how to but respond I'm the coolest. to her not agreeing with him. I guess. Yeah. Which is weird because if you look at her personality through the rest of the movie, it doesn't seem like she has a problem with speaking her mind. Uh Uh-huh. So it kind of, it's odd to me that she would have a problem with that, but I guess she hasn't had a problem with his behavior up to that point. Yeah, well. (laughs) Or maybe she just didn't notice it. Because obviously at this point she noticed Brody. Like she she saw him when she walked in. I was going to say, I think that's the point is she's already kind of, yeah, taken notice of Brody and been like. Yeah, so he's telling her about he's going to make his life hell on earth. She's like, nah, that's not cool. Yeah. So from there, it's a small town, not a lot to do. Brody even kind of comments on it. He's like, the only good thing here is Alien Records. So Brody heads on into uh, Alien Records, and you've got the owner there. who He kind of pops up later, but uh, he's like, so how's everything going? He's like, it's shit. He's like, oh, okay. (laughs) But this is like an old school vinyl place. Mm -hmm. Uh, It says he sells some of the sickest records, which is weird. Like, this is kind of like the shop in uh, Half-Baked, Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, The one that, uh, what's his name, worked in. Yeah. Who's coming with me, man? So, kind of stands there, you get a little small talk with the the shopkeeper, and he notices the record by Hacks and Sword, which... Not really relevant at this point, but it will be later in the in the movie. So he sees this other dude, and he looks like a metalhead, too. He's got kind of the long black hair. He's wearing the was like a leather jacket. He's like, I'm going to go see what this guy's doing, right? So he goes over there, and we get introduced to Zach. Zach's looking through metal records. So Brody kind of sidles up next to him there, and he starts kind of looking through the records, too. And he'll stop at one, and Zach will kind of look over there and nod. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then Zach will stop at one, and Brody looks at it, and he'll kind of nod a little bit, and that's cool. And you could, you, it just gives some backstory, some narration over you know zach's dad's a mechanic and basically his dad works on the cars and while he's working on the cars zach steals everything in the car that's not bolted down and then he gets his wrenches and starts unbolting the things that are that he wants <laughs> so be clear zach not a good guy would you would you agree with that well we, we did have a little bit of discussion about this because 
<laughs> these guys like Brody and Zach would have probably been my type in high school. Um, I was never into the pretty boys or jocks or anything, but at the same time, as an adult now and being a parent, they're also the guys that you look at and you're like, do not even talk to my daughter. <laughs> I've already dug the hole for you, buddy. Yeah. Which is weird because, I don't know, I was almost like one of those guys. Almost. Almost. But anyway, so Zach's a bad dude. And then he says, you want to go do something badass? And what? Brody's More like, D&D? Brody's like, it's not D&D, is it? <laughs> and Zach goes, what's the fuck is D&D? So they go and they make napalm instead. And it kind of gives a half-baked recipe for napalm on the screen. Um, and they burn hail. Supposed Satin. to be Satan. <laughs> In the grass in front of the school, but they misspelled it, and it's hail satin in front of the school. Yeah. Which is awesome, I guess. <laughs> right? Satin sheets? I could think of a few Maybe. ones I would love to do that to. Well, okay. <laughs> Full disclosure. Spelled we, correctly, of course. We did do that in a rival football team's field once, but we used Roundup and Salt. <laughs> uh, we did, it wasn't hail satan, though. Anyway, moving on from there, we cut to a garage, and we got Dion playing keyboard, which you could say keyboard's not metal, but in the right hands, it could be. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> not is, I'm just I saying. Feel like, I feel like that was part more part of the new metal phase, not necessarily your death metal phase, which clearly they were trying to emulate. Yeah, these guys are full, full <laughs> death metal. <laughs> but and then what Giles is on the drums uh-huh. um, Brody is supposed to be our guitar player mm-hmm. and Zach shows up okay so we're gonna have a band mm-hmm. so they go through all these names they're throwing out crazy names for a metal band because it's mm-hmm. got to be an awesome metal name cannibal unicorn right and Zach's got it what's up <laughs> deathgasm yeah but I just I can't help but there, there's so many of these things that pop up throughout the film with album covers and album names and it just took me back to time when I was a teenager and I would buy Hit Parader magazine like religiously and you would come across like these little albums like they wanted to promote but it wasn't like their big sellers at the time like Korn and Manson and all that stuff so but you'd see these little covers for like Cannibal Corpse and it was like the most disgusting artwork you'd ever seen like entrails and you know just really gross shit. Some of them got pretty gross. Yeah they did. (laughs) It was all about the shock value. Yeah. So, yeah, Zach comes in and he comes up with the name Deathgasm. And immediately Brody's like, well, what about... And Zach's all, I said Deathgasm! <laughs> all spelt in capitals. Lowercases for pussies. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, they're they're not... It doesn't sound bad, right? And then yeah. Brody's supposed to rock out a solo and he struggles with it. He's got performance anxiety or something. And Zach kind of calls him out and he's like, well, it's been a while. Yeah, I'm roasty. Yeah, so practice is over. So, that's the thing is that on the front side, this film moves pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Like they they're they're moving through. Yeah, introductions you... are really quick, and our basic setup is really fast. Yeah, they're just getting you to I guess the meat of the story or what it, what it's really about. Mm-hmm. So they move through this stuff pretty fast. And Brody and Zach are kind of walking down the road, and Zach's like, "Hey, I need you to come with me and do something. You're gonna be my lookout." So they break into Ricky Dagger's house. If you want to imagine Ricky Dagger's, think Iggy Pop. He looks like Iggy Pop. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. Honestly, the first time I watched this, I thought Iggy Pop was playing Ricky Dagger's. But uh-huh. it's totally different. It's not him. It's an actor. And but. he's the singer for that band, Hexen Sword, right? The album that Brody saw in the... He is. Yeah. He is in the, the singer store. for it. So they get to the house there, and Zach's like, you're a lookout. And he goes and breaks into the into the house, and then Brody's like, well, I'm, I'm going in. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he goes in anyway. 
tries to climb in a window, gets his foot caught in a sink, falls down. I, I don't know how Ricky Daggers didn't wake up just from that entrance alone. Drugs. It must have been the drugs. <laughs> lots and lots of drugs. Right. So he runs into Zach, scares him to death, like blood pee, scares him. <laughs> and they go into this room and they see Ricky Daggers laying on like this filthy mattress on the floor. The room's full of old amplifiers, like floor to ceiling. And they notice that he's holding a Haxon Sword album. Now this is supposed to be the most metal, metal album ever meddled, mm-hmm. right? That's right. So Zach wants to steal it because Zach steals and he goes over there and he's trying to snake it away from him and Ricky wakes up, comes at him with a bat and I don't know, I don't remember the whole dialogue. It's Ricky Daggers calls him cunts a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, cunts. Yeah, but basically, he wants to kill them. And he says, Aeon sent you, didn't he? So, foreshadow much. Anyway, now you cut to the outside. Some dude in a suit shows up, comes into the house. And uh, Ricky Dagger says, you know, they're here. So, he hands him, he says, take this, take the record. He gives him the record. Guard it with your life. Guard it with your life. Yeah. So, they leave. Henchman breaks in, kills Ricky Daggers. I mean, that one's that one's pretty short and sweet. Goes in there, cuts his throat. Now we're back in the garage because again, we're moving fast. We're gonna get through this through this story, and it's just Zach and Brody sitting there, and they take the record out, and lo and behold, what is this record that came out of the Haxon Sword sleeve? It's Rick Astley. <laughs> they got Rick rolled by Ricky Daggers. <laughs> Actually, they got I think it was that by Rick. <laughs> Yeah, they got Rick rolled by Rick. But a paper falls out, and they kind of ignore it at first. Zach's just pissed that it's a Rick Astley record and not... Uh, well, what was it? There were only like 666 copies, and yeah. they were all sold or something. Yeah, except for this is supposed to be the last one, I guess. Yeah, it's supposed to be like an extremely last, rare find. The last original copy. Yeah. But um, Brody picks it up, unfolds it, and he's like, what is that? And he's like, it's music. It's really old. It's got a Latin name. He can't say it. So it's like, we should play this. Yeah, it should be one of, well, <clears throat> be one of our tracks. Yeah, we could, we could play this, turn it into a Deathgasm song. Cool. So we go from there to some really nice, expensive, sort of California-looking house. Mm-hmm. A lot of open space, a lot of light. There's a guy sitting behind a desk and looking, you know, from the desk's perspective, sort of towards the door. You can see these two guys, like, in robes with his masks on, standing on either side. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the henchman that killed Ricky Daggers comes in, walks up there, and he basically says, we fucked up. And I gotta say, this, this guy, our main, well, for a time, our main uh, antagonist, he reminds me of Anton LaVey. <laughs> Like, I don't know if that was purposely done, but yeah, he, that, uh, what was he? He, like, head of this satanic church or something was like, I'm gonna bring up Manson again for the 50th time, but, like, they were best buds or something, but I didn't know if that was a conscious effort on their part, but the guy totally reminded me of him. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know that guy. <laughs> so the the henchman, who we learned his name is Vaden. Vaden. Mm-hmm. V-A-D-I-N. I don't know how you're supposed to say it. Anyway, he comes up and he was like, I had him, but I lost him. And that, that's basically the, the whole thing. He, he's explaining and he's like, if I have more time and blah, 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 blah. And Aeon's like, eh, just kill him. So the two cloaked figures come over. Vaden's already on his knees. So they like bend his head forward, cut his head off. And Aeon is like, oh, come on. That's a custom-made Satori rug, idiots. <laughs> I don't know what a Sartori rug is. Do you? No. I I just know that it really tied the room together. It probably did. I'm sure the dude would agree. Not a Sartori rug. (laughs) You put a tarp down first. Do it again. So (laughs) This did not make a bit of sense to me. Yeah, but this is hilarious. (laughs) So they've already cut the guy's head off and there's blood all over the rug. Right. (laughs) And the two guys just kind of stand there and look at each other. They don't know what to do. So they get the tarp, do it again. Are you serious? <laughs> so they go get the tarp. They put it down over the blood. Uh-huh. And the other guy picks the head up 
it kind of holds it back <laughs> up to the neck while yeah. the other guy like fake cuts it with a sword and then he just, just like throws rolls the head on the tarp <laughs> yeah. he's like see that's better i did like that bit that was pretty good and that was just nuts that's good yeah i think that worked and now Aeon's satisfied with the method of their beheading. And you see this woman basically come up from under the desk. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I don't know what her name is. I don't know that they ever actually say her name in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's credited, but there's two or three other female characters named. So I'm not sure which one she is. But she's relevant later. She pokes her head up, kind of looks over to see what's happening. He just pushes her head back down. And they're going to Grey Point. Mm-hmm. So from there, we go to the forest because I guess they've got it worked out how they're going to do the music because they're making their music video and they've got great costumes. Basically, they ripped off Kiss. They're wearing... Uh, I don't know if I'd say Kiss Like black tights and band shirts and, you know, they put their foot up on the tree and one of them's got like a star over one eye and one of them's got whiskers. Well, I think the... I think our two main guys, they were legitimately trying to go for the whole uh, Norwegian corpse paint type of thing and your other two nerdy guys, they don't know what the hell they're doing so naturally they lean over to kiss they have no clue and i I don't know how they make music videos but clearly like they're not actually playing because they're in the forest and nothing's plugged in so they're like putting their foot up on rocks and on trees and just air guitaring Mm -hmm. i don't know is that is that how is that a thing is that how they do it (laughs) i don't know i haven't watched a lot of death metal music videos i have no idea And then they just put the track over the top of it. Either way, they finish up filming their terrible music video. And they're headed home. They're sitting in like a gas station parking lot packing all the stuff in the trunk of, I guess it's Zach's car. Mm -hmm. And they run into Medina. Medina's coming out. Stops, talks to Brody. Of course, Brody's still got his corpse paint on. And she's like... I was going to get some ice cream. So he's like, yeah, that'd be cool. And they have that. Well, they have a very awkward meet where he runs like right into her and knocks all this shit out of her bag. And it helps her pick it up. And he's like standing there for a few minutes, like hanging on to a tampon and he didn't even notice it. So that was pretty funny. And she's just like, oh, I can have that back. Right. <laughs> and of course, the it, the guys are acting like douches behind uh, Medina's back and they're like mimicking, banging. They're, and they're, they're <laughs> performing a lot of like sex act looking stuff behind him. Yeah. Like, like as bros do, I guess. Yeah, they're wanting him to get down. <laughs> so they go get ice cream. And then this is, I think this is a good shot, honestly. I don't know what it would be from like a film school perspective, but just the contrast of her, like the cheerleader sitting on the bench next to this metalhead wearing corpse paint eating ice cream. Um, Those are literally my two personalities trying to coexist. It's, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> But it's it's funny. It's funny to see it. And they start with just some small talk. They're they're trying to sort of a how's the weather type of conversation. And then she says, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to get a tattoo and you should design it, right? Because so, she really enjoyed the artwork that he made in yeah. class. Well, she took his, his drawing out of the trash uh-huh. and, and gave it back to him. And that's all wrinkled up. But she wants him to design the tattoo. And so she's like pulling her shirt down a little bit. Maybe it could go here. And pulling her skirt up and maybe it could go here. Yeah, very suggestively. She's not being subtle right. about this at all. But he doesn't really catch it. He just gets uncomfortable. Yeah. And won't look at her. Yeah. So she's clearly interested. And then she's like kind of asked to explain metal. Do you like metal? And he gives one of the best explanations of metal I think I've ever heard. It's like when life sucks and, and you feel alone and empty. Stick on some metal and life is better because because somebody else knows the pain and, and the rage that you're going through. You know? He also goes through like every genre, which I thought was funny because I felt like that's me trying to explain the many subgenres of horror films. Like, to me? Well, to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> to anybody because there's like thousands of them, I mean, at this point. Well, you know, if you ask me, there's 
many kinds of metal, but <laughs> horror movies are just horror movies. So anyway, but yeah, he, he's telling her about metal, and she's like, "Well, yeah, that sounds cool." And he's like, "Well, here, let me let me uh, loan you a, a CD because they still listen to like Discman's yeah there in New Zealand. I don't know. This is supposed to be 2015, and there's yeah, and they had nobody's got an iPod, nobody's got a phone. Like I don't get it yeah. either way. I don't know. Maybe it maybe it's supposed to take. Place. Maybe it's more metal if you're listening to it on CD. It's more metal if you're listening to it on vinyl. Maybe. No. I don't, I don't think so. But anyway, we'll agree to disagree on CDs versus vinyl or digital music. But from there, we go back to the garage and we got our four, I hesitate to call them heroes, but our four main characters. And you know, I kept thinking throughout this whole thing, like, this is Aiden and his friends. It really is. <laughs> Like, you got all these kids that are wearing, like, metal shirts, but they're playing D&D in their spare time. Well, technically, Zach doesn't even know what it is. That's true, but... And and Brody was thinking about being half-naked on a mountain. With a volcano behind him. But yeah, I could see Aiden and his friends doing that. So I guess he, he decides he can play the music, right? Music's pretty universal, mm-hmm. according to him. And he can play it, and it's actually called the Black Hymn. Now, he hasn't deciphered the Latin at the top to get the actual name yet. And they ask uh, Dion, right? And Dion's like, I don't know. I don't know Latin. Not important now. Will be later. So they start to play it. And when they start to play it, you get the lights begin to flicker. And you get like a little bit of electricity running across stuff. And storm clouds start to come up. Uh, bugs start crawling out from under shit. And I actually really like the sound of this of this song. It, it sounds, sounds really good. cool. Yeah, I don't know who wrote it, but there were there were several artists credited for music on this uh, movie. But, and the uncle, like, is having a physical reaction to it, right? Yeah, because he... he starts to turn, but we don't know that they're going to turn yet. He went outside to basically bang on their garage door and tell them to cut it out. Yeah, but it has a physical effect on him. But it does not seem to affect any of the four that well, are in their Well, no, that's really. not necessarily true because... Not this time. They weren't foaming at the mouth this not time. Not this time. Okay. But the garage door's closed. So, they're playing, cut to Medina... She's walking down the sidewalk listening to, I don't know, Britney Spears or Katy Perry or some shit. And she decides she's going to give it a try. So she pops her metal CD in and... Whoa! Guess where she goes? To the mountain. So now it's her standing on a mountain with her battle axe or guitar or whatever over her head with a girl on each leg. Now, I have to say, like, their reactions to what it's like when you hear metal for the first time are pretty damn accurate. Like, I, I can remember, like, hearing certain songs and just being completely blown away, like, oh my god, what is this? However, I never bit into a York Peppermint Patty and pictured myself on top of a mountain with two girls wrapped around my leg. <laughs> You've never done that? No. You're listening to the wrong metal. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so, in class, because we're back in school, and Brody's sitting at his desk. Only he's not doodling this time. He's working really hard at not paying attention to math, but he's trying to translate this Latin song title. And then, that's it. Like, that's it for school, mm-hmm. basically. He runs into David when he's walking home, and David and his buddy attack him. Tell him, basically, don't don't talk to Medina. You leave my girl alone. And they rip his earring out and beat the shit out of him. And Brody was supposed to have met up with Medina that night for I guess like a little date and that's not yet that's after this they talked about it beforehand they did she pat she ran into that happened after that it's so like it shows him getting beat up and then it goes to Zach siphoning diesel out of a vehicle actually Medina oh, walks up on him okay. and she's like are you stealing petrol and he's like it's diesel and she was like don't you feel bad and he's no <laughs> but yeah she asked if he's seen Brody and can you give him this note? Doesn't show what the note is, but I mean, clearly she wants she wants to meet him, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, that's that's it. Like real short clips of these interactions between people. So you see beat up Brody walking home. His life is shit. He gets back to his aunt and uncle's house. And it, that night it shows Zach 
actually going to meet Medina. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like back at the same bench they were eating ice cream on. Brody and Medina were eating ice cream on. And he tells her that Brody is not interested in her. What a dick thing to do. Yep. And then she's cold, so he gives her his jacket. And it's like, hey, you want a drink? Because he's got this hip flask that he carries around all the time. And, yeah, cut back to Brody. He's in his trashed room because apparently beating his ass wasn't enough. Cousin David went there and trashed his room, too. Like, ripped his posters and just tore through his crap all over yeah, the room. this guy's really such a piece of shit. And then back to the bench again, it's Zach and uh, Medina making out. He's like putting his hand up her leg and she moves it and then he goes for boob and she lets him stay there. And it doesn't show it, but it's pretty much implied that they hook up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's some sex. So then the next day, (laughs) because we're like, I don't know. I could have spent some more time, I think, with the character development in this movie because they just move through it really quick. I mean, you kind of get enough to identify who each character is and what kind of moves them around. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the stuff was really short. So we're back in the garage the next day and Zach's like, hey, who did that to you? And he was like, don't worry about it. And he was like, whoever, just tell me who it is. I'll beat their ass. (laughs) And Brody's like, don't worry about it. That's just, that's something I find very confusing about Zach's character is it's established like pretty early on that they're like best fucking friends forever. But then he does this thing with Medina, but then he's very quick to try to protect him right after that. And it's, it's, it's so, it's almost jarring for him to keep going back and forth between, you know, I'm your loyal best friend who will protect you. Oh, by the way, I'm fucking your girlfriend. Well, Brody is lawful good (laughs) and Zach is chaotic neutral, remember? (laughs) Right. It's not, it hasn't come up yet, but Dion lays it out for us later. But no, I agree. Zach is just totally, he's, he's bipolar almost in his actions. He's a towards wild Brody. card. Um, he just does whatever he wants to do and he, he doesn't care how it affects anybody else. So they start playing the black hymn again. The lights start to flash again. Only now you see the, the four bandmates kind of go into a trance. Um, the uncle starts to vomit blood mm-hmm. in the house and then the garage door pops open mm-hmm. on its own. And then you can you get the you can see that the sound is coming out of the garage and it's spreading through the neighborhood. And it kind of shows a sort of a montage, I guess you'd say, of different people all over town uh, vomiting blood and get sick, having a major physical reaction to this music. And the band starts to foam at the mouth while they're playing, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they're all cracked out and then they pass out. So when they wake up, Brody gets up, pops up and he's like, hey, do I look different? And they're like, no. You still look like you. He's like, shit, it didn't work. But didn't really explain necessarily what that means. But we know that after he translated the song title of the Black Hymn, the actual title, it was supposed to give him power. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to become more powerful and, and be able to influence his surroundings and all this stuff. And we're back at school. Like, just cut, cut, cut. And Brody's in the bathroom. And then David's buddy, that curly-haired guy mm-hmm. that's spraying piss on kids and ripping earrings out and helping David be a dick, shows up in the bathroom. But, like, his eyes are gone. Mm-hmm. And he He's got the, like, evil dead zombie teeth or demon teeth. Yeah. And and he tells him, basically, you're all going to die. But he doesn't do anything to him. He just leaves. <laughs> well, I, I did like this bit because he just kind of keeps rolling up to him and then he'll roll away. And then he'll roll back up to him. So he was clearly on his skateboard off camera or something. Yeah, but they I had just... him on a dolly and he would just, like, slide <laughs> up and slide out. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I did enjoy that. It was pretty good. So back in the classroom, same math class. Apparently he's only got one class at school and it's math. <laughs> and the teacher's up there just writing, I don't know, like demon language, something, scribbling on the chalkboard. And one of the girls asks him if he's okay. And he like shits blood. <laughs> Like, he's wearing shorts, which is weird. I don't know. I never, other than the coaches, no teacher wore shorts. Well, maybe it's maybe he's there. a coach, too. Maybe he's a coach. They don't teach math. Anyway, 
They teach history and economics, but <laughs> geography. <sorry. laughs> so yeah, one of the one of the girls asks, "Are you okay?" And he just turns around and like vomits blood all over. Like, yeah, just... and she's wearing a white sweater too. So it's absolutely like... <laughs> soaks her. So that night, Brody and Zach are hanging out in a van. We haven't seen a van before, but as it pans out, you see they're in the garage, in his dad's garage. And he's, you know, Medina ignored me today. I guess Brody passed her, and she just kind of brushed him off. And he's he's confused by it. But she did look upset as she was doing it, though. Like, but she felt guilty. But he didn't notice that. Yeah. But, yeah, she's probably feeling bad that she hooked up with Zach. But mm-hmm. at the same time, she's probably pissed that Brody's not interested. So she's got some conflicting emotions here. Brody doesn't know about it yet. So that's as far as we get to go in there, because the dad is over, like, banging his head against the wall mm-hmm. he's got what like a shirt on his face something covering his head or his eyes his eyes and they go over there he's like dad let me help you get the shirt off so as soon as they pull it off you see his eyes are gone well that's the thing is like uh david's buddy and even the teacher in class all those all these people have turned are all wearing sunglasses like they're light sensitive or right. something but when you remove the cover their eyes are gone yeah so dad's possessed and then we get the first real, I don't know if you want to call him a zombie, really? Like, it's a demon. But uh, Yeah, I think it's demon. I just feel like if we say demon fight, they're going to think like horns and a tail and shit. Yeah, and that's no. not it. Think It's, it's more like a evil It's evil more dead, like evil dead. Evil yeah. dead type possession. So they have this fight and, and the dad of... goes after Zach and he's like holding him. So Brody grabs a grinder and it's like grinding his face. Um, and they finally knock him down and Zach drops an engine on his head. So you want to talk about the effects? Because I was impressed. Well, I was going to say... Speaking of Evil Dead, this, the way that the, these, this whole scene with Zack's dad is shot, it was very obviously inspired by the likes of Evil Dead. Like these little quick shots, you know, and close ups and all that. It was just very, you know, chainsaw, tool shed type of, you know. Very. Yeah. The way they move the camera around and the way they cut it together, very reminiscent of the Evil Dead series. Oh yeah, for sure. And the creature effects were good. The makeup was good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The effects in this movie are I, pretty great. You know, I mean, when it first opens, you you get kind of a low budget sort of feel to mm-hmm. it. But when you move into the effects, they're they're good. Mm-hmm. I got no complaints about it. I, I don't know. I, I don't have anything negative to say about it. I feel like they did no, a good job. No, the whole I, thing. I feel like everything they did was pretty great. And, and while this may have been a lower budget, maybe not low budget, but on the lower end. Mm-hmm. They did. They worked well with what they had. You could take the makeup effects, put them in a higher budget movie, and it wouldn't look out of place. Yeah. feel pretty good about it. And so they're standing there looking, and Zach's like, sorry. Or Brody. Brody tells Zach, I'm, you know, I'm sorry about your dad. And Zach says, well, I think that's how he would have wanted to go out. <laughs> like, we're really not doing this justice. The the New Zealand humor, it's, I think the delivery's just dry. Mm-hmm. It's almost British in its delivery. Yeah. But it's hilarious when you see it. So I don't feel like we're conveying that very well. But the, the interactions, the dialogue is a lot of this movie, I think. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Brody tells Zach about the song. You know, it was supposed to make me powerful. It was supposed to do this. We don't know what the hell's going on. You know, I think maybe we uh, we might have summoned the devil. And, and basically, can't... it's my fault that your dad's dead. Yeah. And Zach doesn't seem to be affected by that at all. Uh, he has a minute there where he's kind of, he, he is kind of pissed, but he just seems to kind of get over it kind of quick. Well, it doesn't really affect him much. So he doesn't care. Yeah. He just moves right on. So the only person they can think of that's going to know anything about it is Abigail, the, the wife of the, uh, the guy that owns owner. Alien Records. Yeah. So as they're driving there, they see people being attacked. And this is like a, what's the remake? Is it the Dawn of the Dead remake? Day of the Dead? The one in the mall. <laughs> The one with Ving Rhames in it. <laughs> uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, whatever. Night, Dawn, Day. Dawn of the Dead. They 
because it, it shows that like when she's leaving her house you know she's trying to get out and there's like she's driving through a little suburban neighborhood and people are all getting attacked by various zombies and their shit burning it's kind of the same thing mm-hmm. don't know if they did it like that on purpose or not but yeah as they're driving through town they see different people being attacked by these possessed uh, individuals but we're going to get away from the drive for just a second and go to Dion and Giles. Dion and Giles are in the front yard of uh, Brody's aunt and uncle's house. And he leaves a note. We were here. We're headed to school. Before my dad turned into a demon, where he said, you know, you should always go to school in case of an emergency. But they get attacked by a possessed person in the front yard. And Dion is wearing whole cans as a weapon. I'm just telling you they came prepared. <laughs> so... <laughs> Either, yeah, they were not ready for this. So Giles has got a paintball gun. And yeah, Dion is wearing Hulk hands. Yeah. You guys remember those? Or like those big puffy. Aiden had some. Yeah. He had some when he was a little guy. He, yeah. There's this big foamy gloves that you put your hands in. And I think that when you hit them, they made sound effects, you know, like Hulk yeah, they sounds. Made and... Incredible Hulk noises <laughs> when you hit stuff. It was fantastic. So this is what they brought to the zombie battle. I'm bringing a little, something a little bit stronger than Hulk hands. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. And a paintball gun. So Giles shoots the the demon with the paintball gun. He's like, ah, this is shit. It's not working. So he grabs Dion's uh, D&D dice. Die. Aiden's going to kill me. What is it? Die. Yeah. And loads them into the paintball gun and like embeds a D20 in the guy's forehead. And they're like, well, that didn't work. Guys, I'm just going to say this movie has some of the weirdest, most inventive weapons I have ever seen. And we are fixing to get into that more. But I just said fixing. Like oh. how how Texan can I be? Um, they're they're going to use those in the f- more inventive weapons in the future. It's ridiculous. And this D20 is just the start. I don't know that it was a D20, but... <laughs> okay. Shit, they all look alike. Anyway, yeah. I'd say Hulk hands and a paintball gun for killing demon zombies is probably the least inventive thing we see in this movie. But these two guys are about to be attacked. Because Giles and Dion, not really equipped to survive a demon apocalypse. But it's cool because Medina shows up and cuts the demon's head in half vertically mm-hmm. with an axe. And they're like, that's cool. That's badass. So we're back with Brody and Zach. We just go straight back to them. They're at Alien Records. They find out. Abigail, she's been injured, and she says Aloth is the king of the demons. And Zach's like, or uh, Brody, Brody's like, well, I kind of played this song. And she's like, well, you just fucked all of us. Good job. Well, we left out the part when they first go there. They find out that she's psychic. She reads tarot cards. She reads tea leaves. Yeah, that sort of thing. She she does. So this is the reason they went back to she talk does to horoscopes her. for board housewives. I think is what he said. Yeah, yeah, I think he said that. But he's she said he's like, when's it going to be complete? She's like, well, it's at the devil's hour. When's the devil's hour? Three a.m. Wait, three a.m. Pacific or Eastern time? Do demons recognize daylight savings? Do demons observe daylight savings? <laughs> Which is interesting because you know there's a lot of movies out there, right? Where they say we've got a certain deadline for this demon thing or this whatever thing and they never bother to find out about daylight savings. So I think it was really conscientious of them to bring that up. But if you put Mjolnir in an elevator, will the elevator still move? It's not worthy. See? Unanswered <laughs> questions. So there's a talking to Abigail. All of a sudden, like there's a fist comes through her chest from behind and her heart gets ripped out and it's Byron, her husband, that just ripped her heart out and he eats it. So we're back with Medina, Dion, and Giles and they're in the yard and they're like, okay, so we're all together now. Let's go to the school. So is there, is there going to the school? And I think it cuts back and forth kind of between those three and Zach and uh, Brody moving throughout the town and the town's burning. Basically it's, it's full apocalypse mode. So David's buddy, the 
curly-haired guy, meets with Aeon. Aeon and his entourage, including the lady with the dark hair that was under the desk, have made it to Grey Point. And he tells them, we need to destroy the song. And they're like, well, why, why would we want to do that? Because apparently the song is the key to stopping everything that's going on. Well, Aeon wants to become the vessel. And the demon explains that whoever the blackest soul is nearby mm-hmm. when uh, Aeloth, I think those names are too close together because I got them mixed up the first time around, uh, that Aeon will basically possess that person. That'll be their vessel. Mm-hmm. Very supernatural of them all. And when she hears this, this dark-haired lady just kills him. She kills Aeon. She's like, okay, now I'm the blackest soul around. Mm-hmm. But no, she's not. Yeah. <laughs> As we find out. So, back in the car, it's uh, Brody, uh, Bodhi, Brody, fuck a neck, I get the names wrong. <laughs> anyway, Brody, Brody. and Zach <laughs> are back in the car and they're arguing about what to do. Because when they were at the, the record shop, the pages of the song flew out the window. Mm-hmm. Or someone went back to his house. And so, do we get the song? Never mind. That's wrong. They were arguing about what to do. Do we leave and just watch it burn? Or do we go back to my house and get the song? So they're arguing about it. Brody wants to go get the song. Zach's like, fuck these guys. I just want to go sit on the hill and watch the town burn drink beer. So I mean, that's probably what I do. I probably would have gone with Zach. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> But anyway, so Brody yells at him, stop the car. And he gets out and he starts walking. And Zach finally is like, fine, we'll go. And we're going to go back to Brody's house. So Zach walks up to the door first. He finds the note on Brody's uncle's house. And he just like tosses it, right? Mm-hmm. So we know, obviously now, Zach not good with notes at all. So we move into the house and it's time for the aunt and uncle zombie fight. Not zombies. They're possessed. They're demons. They're demons. So in the aunt and uncle's, they're, they're there. And it's like, so let's go hide. So they both run into the aunt and uncle's room. And aunt and uncle demons are trying to get in through the door. We got to find weapons. They start digging around in the closet. They haul out a box that says church stuff. What's in the box of church stuff? (laughs) I'm going to make you say it. What's in the box of church stuff? Well, in this very sanctimonious box, in this very sanctimonious house, owned by very sanctimonious people, is a bunch of dildos. Every sex toy. They've got every sex toy. They've got vibrators and anal beads and double-ended dildos. They got everything. Yeah. Like, they were loaded for bear. Yeah. And it just that, and it may be another trope, but it's kind of that whole thing about, you know, the the, the most quiet ones are the biggest freaks or the most, um, the most, use the word sanctimonious again, but you know, the most preachy people are usually the worst scum ever. So, in my experience, I have found that to be mostly true. So, good on them. <laughs> right. Well, so... They gear up <laughs> with dildos and like, I don't know, like Brody's got the double-ended black dildo. <laughs> if you've ever seen Requiem for a Dream, think about the end of the movie. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> and Zach is swinging anal beads around like it's a bolo. <laughs> like, it's hilarious. And like true warriors, they just wade right in there fighting aunt and uncle. He's like, Zach's hitting him with the anal beads. Uh, Brody is beat him over the head with a dildo, and they realize these really are not working. So Brody's like, I'll be back. So he goes to the garage, and he finds a chainsaw, which is awesome. Chainsaws and killing demons go together. Right. At least they do if you're Ash, not so much if you're Brody, because there's a good, like, three-minute scene of him trying to get the damn thing started. Right. Which is true life. It is very accurate. That is true life right there. When you need the damn thing, it's not going to start, and you're pulling it for 15 (laughs) minutes. Yeah, chainsaws, push mowers, weed eaters. Weed eaters. <laughs> it's pretty much the same. Bane of my existence. <laughs> so he's like, and it shows all the different ways he's pulling it, like sitting on the ground with it between his feet, trying to pull on it, standing on it. He finally gets it started, charges into the house, falls down, drops it. Yep. <laughs> because what else are you going to do? So this is where they separate. Brody is in the living room. 
family room, whatever, with his aunt. And he's got a chainsaw, sort of. It's on the floor. And Zach is gets pulled into the bedroom or goes into the bedroom and lures the uncle along with him. So you get to see Zach first, where he, he's fighting the uncle, and he kills him with a dildo. I just, I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. He killed... A, demon with a dildo. Like I said, inventive weapons. Back in the living room, Brody, <laughs> moving along, moving back along. in the living room, Brody is fighting with his aunt and Brody manages to stab the aunt like through the stomach with the chainsaw, and, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't stop her, right? You got to, what, destroy the brain, I guess, even though they're not zombies. So she takes him down and, well, she cut his hand with her thumbnail. And he lets go of the chainsaw, it comes out. She gets down, she's on top of him, and he's kind of fighting, trying to keep her from biting him, and he grabs the only two weapons that he can find that are close at hand and uses them to kill her by sticking a vibrator in each ear. One of them's rotating. <laughs> Must be the rabbit. <laughs> he's <laughs> I'm not gonna ask why you know that. He stabs her in the ears with a pair of vibrators. And yeah, one of them's rotating. It's I don't know where to go from there. I don't know what to say about that. This is the first movie I've ever seen <laughs> two demons get killed with sex toys. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. The thing that makes it funny is how seriously Brody and Zach are taking this whole thing. You know what I mean? It's not like it is tongue-in-cheek, but for them it's it's serious. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like they're giving the whole fourth wall break, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, know what I mean, know what I mean, to the audience while they're doing it. They're they're using these as viable weapons. So, I, I don't know. Maybe it's not as funny as I thought it was, but I laugh. <laughs> I've laughed every time I've watched it. So. Anyway, aunt and uncle have been Well, vanquished. I mean, to be fair, he takes that big black sucker and he really gets some yonder on it when he's, you know, full on yeets people upside the face. I know, but it didn't do it. <laughs> He didn't do it. So hit him in the head with a five-pound dildo and we'll stab him <laughs> near with a vibrator. That'll do it. But either way, as they go to his room to get the song, the wind blows and the pages are sucked out the window and magically, well, not magically, but the pages are spread all over town. So like, fuck, now we got to get it. But first, we got to get weapons. So back to the garage. He's got his chainsaw. They find a weed eater. They find all kinds of shit and a roll of duct tape. So they just start duct taping power tools together. As a matter of fact, he duct tapes a drill to his guitar. Yeah. Like at the top of the fretboard where the, the tuning knobs are. I, how do you still play guitar with a fucking drill duct tape to it? I, I don't know. I have no idea. But either way, he does it. So you get your kind of Ash versus the Evil Dead sort of weapon montage there, except they don't do it as well as he does. And they basically drive around killing demons and getting the pages back. I mean, that's what you see. Sort of a, a zombie land kind of thing. They're going for the zombie kill of the week. I mean, Tallahassee wins every time, but, you know, give them credit, they tried. So they get the last page. It's actually at the school where they collect it. And when they go in, they meet Medina, Dion, and Giles because they're, of course, already there. And Dion and Giles are playing D&D. So they're at the school, and Medina notices that Zach's hand's wounded, so she takes him off to the side. And Dan's like, oh, it's cool, you got our note. And they were like, no, no note. We didn't see a note. So again, Zach dropped the ball and passing messages. But while Medina is patching up Brody's hand, Brody sees that she has Zach's jacket. And he's like, what's going on? Medina tells him that, well, Zach said you weren't interested. And Zach, Brody's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm very interested. He's like, so did you hook up? And she kind of has this sort of like she's ashamed kind of look on her face. As well, she should be. And Brody's pissed. <laughs> you finally see him break. As you, you know should what I mean? be. <laughs> he's mad. And I don't blame the guy. So he goes after Zach and he's like yelling at him. And I thought you were friends and you knew I liked her. And Zach's like, it's not a big deal, man. I'm not even into her. I was just bored. Yeah. Like, that's supposed to make it better. They go all Dawson's Creek in this heavy metal monster movie. <laughs> yeah, they kind of do. 
but that just that excuse i'm not even into her i was just bored wow but apparently that was enough for brody because he decides i'm gonna fight this guy which is interesting because outside of zombies is the first time you see him actually stand up for himself to anyone Mm-hmm. He starts off pretty good. Like he lands a punch. They kind of wrestle around a little bit, but Zach's like twice the size of Brody. Right. And Zach kind of just beats his ass. And he's like, "Fuck you guys, I'm out." And he leaves. Well, so now Brody's got his pride and his face both hurt real yeah. bad. So Brody, Medina, Dion, and Giles are like, "Hey, we gotta play the song backwards. Uh, we need some amps, and ours are busted." back in the garage. Ours are blown out. He's like, I know. Brody knows where to go get some amps. They're old as shit, but maybe we can make them work. And that's back at Ricky Dagger's house. So they go back there and find out that the cult is already there. Female cult member catches up with them. She's like, I want the song. And she says the name of it. Her pronunciation's horrible. And Dion corrects her. No, it's actually this. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because when they were in the garage and Brody was like, I don't know what this says. Dion's, I don't speak Latin. But clearly he does because he took this opportunity to show off and correct her pronunciation. Can you in the whole time. So, they threatened to kill Medina. He was fine up till that point. They grab Medina. They're like, we're going to kill her if you don't give the pages. So, of course, that's his lady. So, he gives up the pages and the female cult leader now, mm-hmm. uh, wish I knew which <coughs> character she was credited as, she just tears them all up. So, they tie up Brody and Medina and Dion and Giles and they're all standing around in a circle doing the cult thing, you know, chanting, singing Kumbaya. And while they're laying on the floor trying to figure out what they're going to do, Ricky Dagger's corpse gets up. Now, this is the only animated corpse we see in the movie. Mm-hmm. Correct? I think so. All the rest of them were living people that got possessed by demons and their yeah. eyes fell out of their head or however that shit worked but none of them had eyeballs you know what kind of reminds me of him die so he's the only but if he's a reanimated corpse why weren't there more i don't know but you know what their eyes kind of remind me of is um the end of event horizon sam neil sam neil's character yes. they kind of kind of had the same look where it was like almost like the eyes were shut not so much like the eyeballs were gone but it almost looks like they're fused shut like it's a weird it's hard to explain but if you've seen event horizon and you know what sam neil looks like at the end of that movie you got you get a pretty good idea of what that looks yeah, maybe like maybe we need to do that movie sometime i i think it's on the list yay <laughs> so ricky dagger's corpse attacks them and they're trying to fight him off sort of the best they can and zach comes to the rescue he's wearing face paint and everything he went back put his corpse paint on it kills Ricky Daggers. He's got like a chainsaw in each hand. How he managed to get them both started and keep them running at the same time, I have no idea. Talented guy. He unties everybody. Brody and Zach kind of reconcile, you know, sort of make up. They do the like secret handshake with the devil horns. But Medina, using common sense, she's like, so you, you left and then you decided you need to come back. And he's like, yeah. And she points out, but you went and put makeup on first. How long did that take? <laughs> Sort of implying that he could have been back. He could have been back a lot sooner if he hadn't stopped to put his face on. (laughs) And his his corpse makeup looks really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, as far as corpse paint goes. It looks as cool as it can look, I guess. (laughs) He goes off and he attacks the cult with chainsaw on each hand, right? Stop the chant. And meanwhile, Brody is trying to play the song. Actually, he's not trying to play the song. I'm not even sure I'm in the right shooting. So he's like standing there dicking around trying to tune his guitar and Dion gets lost in the house and he gets killed and then Giles gets his arms ripped off. So it's really just Brody and Medina, right? She's she's trying to protect him or defend him while he tries to play his guitar, but someone gets too close. He just drills him with the drill on the end of his mm-hmm. guitar. Somehow that shit still works. I don't know. <laughs> Zach has found his, he's hit his stride, right? He's killing demons and shit left and right. Goes outside the house, he's killing him in the yard. He's killing zombies everywhere. Not zombies, demons. <laughs> yeah. You're going to do that a lot, aren't you? <laughs> well, fuck, you're supposed to kill zombies with a chainsaw. Anyway, so... <laughs> 
Medina's defending Brody while he's tuning his damn guitar. And this is when the cult attacks. So now Zack and Medina, like, they get together and they're both fighting these guys off. But now it's 3 a.m. Clearly they're not observing daylight savings. Because <laughs> it happens. There's a light comes down from the sky. And just when it's about to hit, Zack kills the lady cult leader. So what was supposed to happen? A Aloff supposed to enter the blackest soul nearby when he comes to Earth. So who do you think that was? It was Zack. Our boy Zack. It was Zack. So now he's possessed by Aloff. Now here's the interesting thing. Have you ever seen that movie Legend? No. Okay. So I want you to picture a normal person with Tim Curry's head and horns on him. Because that's kind of what it <laughs> I looks mean, like. I'm aware of his his uh Satan makeup or like if demon I makeup. Was, if I was going to criticize any effects in this whole movie, it would be this one. Uh, the mask was a bit 90s, kind of. Because that was the whole thing. Yeah. It was Zach with a foam rubber head on. Yeah. Like They did such a good job. And then they get to the end and they were just like, ah, fuck it, wear this. <laughs> I just don't get it. But it was it was cheesy. It, it was not. Yeah. They could have done. They, I don't know. If, I, it, I know that we were, when we were talking about Psycho Gore Man, that we were handing a lot of praise over to um, them having such Power Ranger-y type stuff in it. But I feel like that's what that movie was trying to go for. Whereas this movie, I mean, yes, it's a comedy, but they're obviously trying to take the horror part of it seriously. And it just, that particular effect did not work for they me. They were doing such a good job till right then. <laughs> I just don't, I don't get it. It's just like, that's the choice. Like somebody sitting around editing, they didn't come back and go, we should reshoot that. <laughs> Hell, when they were filming it, they didn't look at the costume and go, yeah, that's not going to work. But either way. You need Screaming Mad George from Tales from the Hood that we talked about last week to do your devil makeup. No, you don't need to get Screaming Mad George. They just need to keep doing what they've been doing for the whole movie. Like, they've been doing it for 85 minutes. They just need Satan, to do spend that much effort on the last five minutes. That is some Satan makeup that fucking worked, though. It did. It did pretty good. But either way, Zach gores Brody with one of his horns, like stabs him through the stomach with it, and grabs Medina. Well, Brody ain't about to have that shit. So he staggers to his feet, grabs his guitar, and this is when all it comes out. The dude can play. Yeah. And he just starts shredding that guitar. He's playing it. And if he's not playing the song. He's not playing the black hymn at all. No. When he first starts. And Zach even points it out. He's like, you gotta play the black hymn backwards, dumbass. And you think, does he even know the music? Can he play it backwards? Right. And then he does. And it still sounds good. Even backwards. So Zach returns to I normal. I thought he was just playing something random. But at thought... first he was. And then he transitions into it. Okay. So Zach returns to normal. As normal as Zach can be. And Brody runs over to him. And he's fighting. And he's like, Aloth's still in here. He's like, you gotta kill me. I'm trying not to change. But I can't hold him back. It's very dramatic. <laughs> I was thinking of Cartman when he was trying. He was knocking into walls and all that shit. Trying to get the. What was it? He was either trying to knock the evil out of him or the good out of him or whatever. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think I saw that one. I thought that was the Caesar Milan episode, but I could be wrong. I don't know, but that one is good. <laughs> Maybe we should do a series on South Park. So... In the beginning, and we skipped over this part, when Zack and Brody first meet, they get razor blades, they cut their hands, they do the secret handshake with the devil horns, uh-huh. and they're basically blood brothers, and then they took these razor blades, and they're wearing them on a necklace around, around their necks. They're wearing them on a chain around their necks. So Zack grabs, or Brody grabs Zack's and uses that to cut Zack's throat. Yeah. And ends it. Saves the day. The clouds lift. I would say everything goes back to normal, but half the people in the town are dead. So it really doesn't right. go back to normal. And we jumped to two months after the fact. Not that we want any kind of jarring transitions in this movie, and we haven't been doing <laughs> them for the last hour, but that's what we're going to do. We're just going to jump to two months later. Brody and Medina are together. 
He's laying on bed with his shirt off, and first thing you notice is that there's no scar. He got stabbed <laughs> through the stomach by a giant bullhorn, and there's no scar. Right. Like, he's fucking Wolverine or something. <laughs> Anyway. And Medina has had a, oh, what do you call it? She's a hell of a makeover. <laughs> yeah, makeover. <laughs> she's got dyed her hair and she's got tattoos. Yeah, she's a full metal girl now. Yeah. She's wearing like a band shirt with the sleeves cut off. But she kisses him. She's like, I gotta go. She leaves. And then the wind starts blowing ominously. Electricity dances across the stereo. And you hear Zach's voice come out of it. Nah, just kidding. He was just fucking with Brody. <laughs> So Zach's still there watching over him. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. That's where they cut it off. Yeah. Like, I guess it's a happy ending. Yeah. Except that I guess Brody's being haunted by Zach. Well, and at the end of the credits, uh, which are pretty much animated like our opening titles. And they're great. At the at the end of the movie, or I mean, there's a post-credit scene where Zach's basically telling him who all he's playing music with or, or what musicians he's meeting in heaven or hell. I don't think he specifies which one he's in, so I can only make an assumption, but... But, um, but yeah, so yeah, that's it. What, what? Well, in the words of Mimi, grandma's going to burn in hell forever. (laughs) So what were your favorite parts about this movie? So you guys have found us in a rare instance, and this is probably not going to continue to happen, but you found me in a rare instance where Travis actually likes this movie more than I do. Um, the first time I watched it, I loved it. I was laughing my ass off. Um, I was just basically sitting through the whole movie going, laughing and being like, what the fuck? Like, what? the fuck did I just watch and just you know I had a blast with it and then for some reason second and third time and even doing my research for for this episode it didn't hit the same way as it did that first time I mean there's there's something to be said about going into a movie blind where you don't know what's going to happen at all and so there were a lot of things that were funny and shocking um but a few times around it was like yeah okay so I did really I love coming of age stories. Like, those are some of my favorite movies. Um, but, like I said in the beginning, I felt like it was over-tropey. Um, it was over-stereotypey, if that's even a word. But I did really like our main characters. Brody, in particular, I think that actor's really great. And I hope that we see more things from him in the future. I was really excited when he popped up in Guns Akimbo. I was like, hey, that's that guy from Deathgasm. Um, so he's great. And I thought Zach was great. And I'm really bummed out that these guys haven't more work. So one of the things that I've noticed about movies from New Zealand since you bring that up is that they do really good New Zealand movies. Movies in New Zealand, but you really don't see them anywhere else. I think that's kind of sad. Yeah, but my my dislikes, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I'm just, I'm getting to a point, I guess, where the low hanging fruit and the low brow humor is not really my forte anymore. It's because I'm an old woman. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I said, it just kind of di- didn't hit me right this time um I noticed too uh, upon multiple watches the pacing's kind of off like you have everything moving so quickly like jarringly quickly at the beginning and then you get to a point in the film where it just really slows down and almost I don't want to say it's a slog to get through but it just feels like there was a really jarring change of pace other than that 
It's it's fun. It's a really fun movie. I would suggest it to anybody that's a fan of Evil Dead um, or a fan of Dead Alive or metal movies. It is. It's a good time. You know, it did it just didn't hit me right second, you know, second, third time. But it is, I would still recommend it like really highly. Like it's go watch it for sure. So I like this movie a lot. And maybe it's just because I'm a guy, but I'm okay with the lowbrow humor. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know, it doesn't bother me. I, and I like it every time. It's definitely a movie that in order for the jokes and stuff to land, you need to give it a little bit of time in between watches. You know what I mean? Like, you do need to kind of let those jokes rest so that they're fresh when you come back around. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree that the change of pace is dramatic. Mm -hmm. You go from a high school movie to Evil Dead, right? Mm -hmm. And I would have been okay with either one, to be honest with you. Like, if it had just continued with him and and David and Zach kind of going at each other, Mm -hmm. and it was just a high school movie with the jokes and and the metal versus whatever in it, I could could watch that Mm -hmm. movie. And if it was just them killing demons, I could watch that movie. But the transition's pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked to have seen them maybe spend a little more time with the characters. You know, Dion and Giles, because they were both funny. Mm-hmm. They both had some good lines in the movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe give me more of that. All in all, I, I just, I like it. I think that the uh, the shots were good. The way they used the camera was good. The way they, uh, the way that the angle was, the, the way they shot each scene, I think was really good. I like the transitions. You know, where they incorporate, like, the, the notebook art into mm-hmm. things was good. The, the opening credits, the end credits, that, like I said, Beavis and Butthead meet Metalocalypse sort of it mesh. It definitely sets a tone. You, you you know what you're in for right from the jump. Yeah, but see, I'm a metal guy, so that's that's kind of my thing anyway. But it worked for me. I think the effects were great. Yeah. yeah. Except for Zack's demon mask, <laughs> and that was shit. But just forget that happened. <laughs> It was good. Having said that, I am also aware that this is a movie that I like that is not going to be for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to go into this movie with an open mind. It's definitely going to be better the first time around. I-, I would say you need to watch it, but rent it first. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody just buys movies before they've even seen them, have they? <laughs> you do. Not before I've seen it. I bet no. you. Uh, okay, I bet I could think of one. Which? I don't know. Any horror movie. No. I always watch a movie first before I buy it. I'm going to come up with one. <laughs> later no i'll remember it later no i don't want to be stuck with shit <laughs> so either way I, I i don't know i think it was gonna think you should totally give it a watch oh yeah definitely definitely and if you got it's prime, fun if you got prime you can watch it for free yeah i mean shit you don't have to spend the money yeah and we brought it up like uh, an episode ago or so the last drive-in with joe bob briggs he he covers deathgasm and i love joe bob so his commentary before throughout after is always worth it. Because you get anal bead foo and <laughs> dildo foo and vibrator foo and chainsaw foo. Yeah, art of arcing. If you've never seen Joe Bob, you don't know what that is. But if you've seen it, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that's really about it for us, which is interesting. We both give it a watch. So it's not going to be that way every time, especially going into October. As we get closer to October, we're going to be tackling some of the bigger titles in horror movies. Yeah, so guys. And I'm not a fan of the slasher. I'm going to give you a quick disclaimer here. And I am welcome to any of your feedback and opinions. But I have really been struggling with tackling the big three. And anybody who's a horror fan knows who the big three are. I have such a hard time wanting to cover those because I feel like everybody covers those. You know what I mean? So if you if you want me to, if you're like Ashley, but dude, I got to hear it from you, then by all means, I will cover it. Well, as it stands right now, Right now, we're only looking to cover the ones that all the big names avoid. Like right. Halloween 3, I think, is on our list because people say it's not a Halloween movie. Right. But 
I fucking love Halloween 3, so it's getting but covered. But it's still a good movie. Oh, yeah. It's worth it for Tom Atkins alone. But, yeah, we've <laughs> talked about this quite a bit, and there's nothing that we're going to be able to tell you about the first Halloween movie that you don't know. There's that you haven't we're gonna be able already to tell heard. You about the first Friday the 13th, you haven't heard a hundred times from as many different people. So, I mean, other than just getting our take on it, there's no new information really to be had there. So we that's, that's the reason we kind of go after these movies that people haven't really seen much or haven't received the press or the, haven't had the time under them. So. Right. Cause we, we like to share with you guys maybe some underrated movies or hidden gems, you know, stuff that might broaden your horizons a little bit. You know, we don't we don't like to keep covering old, old ground. You know what I mean? Well, it, some of the best movies that we've seen are movies that we had never even heard of before. Right. You remember yeah. the first time we watched Old Boy, the original uh, Korean? Fuck yes. I was One like, holy shit, where has this movie been? Yeah, right. Because it was a fantastic movie and we just heard about it from somewhere else yeah. that had recommended it and said this is a good movie, but you didn't see that shit on TV. Well, it's funny enough, it, we were kind of going through that kind of J-horror phase where we were, or extreme underground movies, you know, we're Let me basically... tell you folks, Korea goes there. <laughs> they get some fucked up stuff. Well, so so does Korea. Like, That's what I said. Oh, you Korea. said Korea. I'm sorry. Yeah. So does Japan. Those guys make some of the most fucked up shit I've ever seen in my life. A lot of people don't consider Old Boy to be a horror movie, myself included. So but I don't it's know. It's damn if, good. I don't know if this one will ever cover, but. Damn, is it good? Well, Such the point movie. is, is that we try to cover those movies that maybe people have never heard of before. Right, right. And that's the reason we do some of the movies that we do. If you've ever questioned that, you probably haven't. But. So next week, we are going to cover a more well-known one. And that is because last week, Travis and I went on opening night to go see Candyman 2021. So can we talk about that? No spoilers. Can we talk about the new Candyman? Uh, not right now, but... <laughs> Why not? Because next week, we are going to be reviewing the 1992 Candyman. And after we wrap that up, I feel like we can go into our first impressions of this new, what are they called, spiritual sequel directed by Nia Costa, which I will go ahead and say right now, fucking great. If you haven't already been to see it, go watch it. Please go watch it. But... Having so, said that, yeah. Disclaimer: When we cover that movie, it's not going to be there's there's it's not going to be a spoiler review. Like we're gonna have to wait for that thing to come out again, watch it, do the notes to really really explore it, dive but. into it. Yes, because there's a lot to say about that movie. Yeah. But going back to uh, underappreciated films, after we cover Candyman, I think we're gonna we're we are gonna tackle. Uh, event horizon and for the last week of september but for the month of october or spooky season we're gonna start with halloween 3 and work to halloween h2o for the month of october because again i feel like why do you hate me why do I, <laughs> I feel like those movies part three and on do not get the credit that they they deserve yes any horror fan worth their salt knows how epically wonderful the first Halloween is. We know. We get it. But there are other good entries in that list. Are they great? No. Fuck no. Not even close. But there still are some great films in that series. I believe that part three is one of those. I believe that part four is one of those. The others, meh. But we're going to cover them anyway. <laughs> so... So just, be on the lookout for that. And eventually we'll make our raid around to Predator 2 starting in November. Yeah, we're going to have some big contrasts of opinion, I think. And I'm going to try <laughs> not to shit on them too much. But, like, you can't put Josh Harden in a horror movie. <laughs> sure well, you can. Well, you couldn't when he was a teenager. 30 Days of Night was good. Okay, sure you can. It was called... What's, what the fuck is that movie called? I'm I don't so know, Superfan. You tell me. <laughs> 
I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> this is what happens when you record at midnight. <laughs> the faculty. He was fucking great in the faculty, okay? So, which mm-hmm. I believe was actually shot before Halloween H2O, but um, H2O had a harder time getting out. So, God, this is going to be tough. <laughs> we don't have to do the Busta Rhymes Halloween, do we? Oh, hell no. Oh, thank you. Unless we're planning on doing a riff track in the future. Well, I got plenty of material for that shit. <laughs> Trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to rip on that one, and it's got Tyra Banks in it, and I'll still rip on it. It was fucking awful. <laughs> but anyway... So before we let you go, having given you that long spiel, because we don't have a, a patron uh, account set up yet because we don't feel like we've earned that privilege yet. So we're going to go ahead and give you, you know, our next round of movies, let you guys know what to get excited for and all that. So having said all that, I will move into our content creator of the week. And this week I'm going to give it to YouTube channel Stitched Together Pictures. This guy... I believe his name's Andy, or at least his character's name's Andy. And he's got two other personalities. And it's funny, they all of his personalities interact with each other. And he reviews films, and then he's got another special segment called Boots to Reboots. Basically where he compares, I mean, it's obvious, he compares an original film to its remake. And if he doesn't like the remake, it gets the boot. Really funny stuff, guys. So please get on YouTube check him out. But I think that's going to do it for us this week. Okay, I got one more thing about Candyman. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't done yet about Candyman. About the new one. So if you haven't watched it yet and you're trying to decide if you want to, don't pull up any of the bullshit on YouTube before you go watch it. Oh yeah, absolutely agree. Because I've seen some reviews that kind of agree, I think, with the way Ashley and I look at it. And I've seen some that are highly, highly critical of it um, and its subject matter. Others that are highly fucking offensive. And some of them that are just terrible. I would say, don't listen to any of that shit. Go watch it and make up your own mind. Yes. Because it is a fairly complex movie. Yes. Don't don't let other people make up your mind before you've even gone to see it. So, because Ashley and I were sitting right next to each other and we both took something different away from that movie. And yeah, just go watch it. Don't don't let any of these YouTube reviewers make up your mind for you. Go see it and make up your own mind. Yeah. Because hopefully it's coming out, what, on HBO or something like yeah, that in a, in a month couple of months? So. I think and it's a month. Maybe then I'll be able to talk you into doing a spoiler review. Because unlike oh, you don't the first have to one, talk me into it. I don't. <laughs> the first one's not on my top ten list at all. Well, I it really should liked, be. I really liked this one. Yeah, this movie was fucking good. So, all right, you can close this out now. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll stop interrupting. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> anyway, guys, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Hey, Ashley. So what would people do if they're enjoying the show and they want to leave us a review? You'd review the show on your favorite platform, but that's just me. But who are you? I'm SpookyMom83. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not going to direct you to Facebook because I hate it. <laughs> and I guess that makes me Travis L80 on Twitter. Just don't expect a lot. Yeah, you're not really big on the social stuff. I'm socially inept. <laughs> That's true. But if you guys want to reach out, tell us what your favorite movie is, got any requests, any questions, stuff like that. You know, they can just stop in and say hi. They can just stop in and say hi. I will say hi. 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 Hello there. (laughs) But seriously, guys, feel free to reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. So they can kind of just stop in for whatever they want. And tell Travis why he's the better of the two, obviously. Please. Please do that. (laughs) Till next time, guys. Later. Bye.